Hey friends, and welcome to this week's episode of the U-Turn Podcast. This is your host, Ashley Stahl. I'm a counterterrorism professional turned career coach, speaker, and Forbes blogger, and I created the U-Turn Podcast because, let's face it, every now and again, we realize that we're living life on autopilot, and it's time to wake up and make that U-Turn in your life. So prepare to go deep with some of the most transformational people I know, here to help you grow and upgrade your mindset, whether it's in work or love. Also, be sure to stick around for the end of every episode where I'm going to reflect on the conversation and offer actionable coaching insights to have a real impact on your life. In the meantime, we've opened up access to three free e-courses on uturnpodcast.com. So head on over there if you want to land a new job you love, find your purpose, or launch your dream business. All of these courses are totally free. All you got to do is head on over to uturnpodcast.com. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N podcast.com. Now let's get started with this week's guest. You have an experience, that flashing burst of insight that you just cannot unsee. And once you get to that place, then you know there has to be change. Now, I'm not saying that change happens the next day, but there's something that happens inside that you begin to prepare yourself mm-hmm. for making that change. There's the process of acceptance of what that epiphany is, is telling you, what your body, you know, when we're unhappy in a situation or we're holding on, a lot of times what happens is it manifests in our body. So we start to feel tired or we're, we're coming down with colds a lot or we're kind of losing our the pep in our step or maybe we're feeling a little depressed or, you know, we're just not feeling right. We're out of sorts because we can feel change coming. Hey, U-Turners, it's Ash here, and we are on the U-Turn podcast today with one of my favorite topics you always hear me talk about, which is the love category, with a friend of mine, a new friend that I was so excited to bring on the show, Jill Shearer Murray. She is a TEDx speaker and influencer, and she is helping so many people and businesses let go for better results. Her TED Talk went viral about letting go, and it's completely shifted her path to really dedicate herself to this. Um, She's writing all the books, speaking all the speeches, and doing all all the things. And I figured it would be really powerful to have her on here to talk about how you can let go for love. And that looks like a lot of things. It could be like letting go of the person you're with to letting go of certain ways of being and so much more. And we'll talk about why people don't let go, what's keeping you stuck, and also six steps that she's come up with for you to really let go and get that life and that love that you want. So Jill, thank you for being here. Oh my gosh. I'm so happy to be here. You're such a little joy. Yeah. It's funny. Everybody always says, I'm so excited to be here, but I actually know you are. And that's what makes you so much fun. (laughs) I am. I, I am. First of all, I love you and I love what you're doing. And I love the whole concept of U-turn because this is really what we're talking about with letting go. 
And, you know, I, I like the love is mutual. Like I remember when we first met, it was just like game over. Like we're having lunch. <laughs> we were at a workshop together outside of New York yes. and you know, it was like, she just started talking and like, that was the end of my workshop. I was like, okay, I'm just going to hang out with her. And I, I want you to tell everybody like a little bit more about your path. Like what got you so focused and committed to helping people with this process of letting go? And what are your thoughts about letting go? Like why people don't do it and how this just plays a role in your life. Okay. Well, that's a lot of questions. So I know. I'll try. I'm I'll full try of them. Okay. Yeah. Okay. All right. So how did I get started? Let's start with that one. Like, how did I get started talking so passionately about this subject? Mm -hmm. So basically someone that was important to me died. Mm. And I started to realize that we were holding on to things in our lives that just didn't matter. And I saw that in my own life. I saw that in the lives of other people. And I really, this really compelled me now at this point in my life to start really talking about the idea of letting go and kind of unveiling my personal story about letting go, which really started several years earlier when I had let go of a very long-term relationship that I was in when I was in my 30s and my early 40s. I was in a, a relationship with a man who was a wonderful man, and I loved him. I, I deeply, deeply loved him. Um, I, I can't really say anything bad about him other than he just didn't want what I did. At the end of the day, I wanted to get married. I, marriage is not the end-all be-all. There's a lot of people in the world who don't want to get married. No judgment on that. Everybody has to figure out what they want. But I knew that I wanted to personally have that experience in my lifetime. And he was a wonderful man. We were together for 12 years. And I had hoped all along the way that we would eventually work our way to marriage. And I had a monster epiphany when I was 41 and I realized it wasn't going to happen. And I had to learn how to basically let go. Mm. I had to understand why I was holding on and I had to figure out how to not just let go. And this is the really, really important thing is it's not just about letting go. It's about letting go and moving forward. You know, we don't want to kind of be left there shaking, terrified, you know, what did we do? It's really about how do we figure out how to let go so that we can keep moving and have the things that we want in life. So for me, I didn't just let go of him. I let go of the entire life I had built around him, which was I lived in Chicago. I sold my condo. I quit my job. I let go of him. I said goodbye to my favorite hairstylist, my favorite dog walker. I kissed the lake goodbye, all the wonderful things that had kept me in that city for so many years and started all over at the age of, of 42. I love this so much, Jill, because I have been addicted, for lack of a better term, to letting go, even when it's ugly. And mm -hmm. I think the reason for me, and I don't know about everybody listening, I'm kind of a weird little pariah in this way, but <laughs> I just really love the power of letting go because once you let something go, it's like the newness is so addictive to a point where like, I've actually, for the first time at 32, created stability in my life because I love letting 
letting go. I was like, oh, I don't like this job. Letting it the fuck go, you know? Um, But I know that this isn't the case for a lot of people. And a lot of people struggle with that. And the amount of newness that you just described and the amount of courage that it takes to just step up into that is extraordinary. So for anybody listening right now, they probably have something in their mind that they're like, yeah, I need to let go of this relationship or I can't live here anymore in this city. Um, What words of comfort do you have for anybody who is thinking about letting go? And what can we tell them about what's keeping them from doing it? Right. So, I mean, I think, I I think, you know, we, we hold on because we're hardwired to hold on. Mm. So, I mean, letting go, you know, we build attachments, we attach to things. We, we are hardwired for that. And so the words of comfort that can offer you, if you're, if you're kind of stuck in a place where you know, know you need to let go is it's okay. You know, it's just the fact that you were thinking about letting go means that you are kind of moving through the evolution process and the evolution of your life and you're growing and you're coming to a place where perhaps there are growing pains or you're starting to see things that you couldn't see before, or you're starting to, you know, want something else in your life. And I think that's all just part of life. So I think sometimes when we are struggling with the idea of letting go, we think there's something wrong. There's something wrong with me. I did something wrong. I didn't build the right life. Look what a mess I've made. But it's really not about that because we don't look at life in big chunks of time. We live life every single day, one day at a time. And so eventually we do get to that place where we look at the day to day and we come to a space in life and we say, okay, it's time to take a breath, to look at where I am and to let go. Now here's, here's the critical transition point, right? Is how do you know when it's time to let go and how can you actually do it and what stops us? And what I have learned from my own experience and from talking to so many women over the years is that letting go involves risk. And we need the courage and the confidence to be bold and to take those risks and to know that there are no guarantees, but where we're at is not where we want to be anymore. And so that requires what I call the ground under our feet. If we don't have the ground under our feet, which to me is the self-love piece, and I actually call that big wild love, which is the knowing that essentially at the end of the day is the knowing that no matter what happens to us in life, we will always be okay because we have us and we know that we deserve better. We know that the things that we want are infinitely possible to us. And we love ourselves enough to start making better choices and, and doing the self-examination that we need in order to get to the next evolution of our lives and to let go for the next thing. And letting go for the next thing doesn't have to be holistically getting rid of a relationship if it's good and there's one issue that you can't seem to move past but if it's if it's a relationship that is you're in simply because you're afraid to leave it because you think you can't do better you don't deserve better what you want isn't possible for you if you're hampered and hindered by limiting beliefs given to you in childhood and as a result of bad dating experiences or, or whatever else, 
then that requires you to take a step back and say, what do I need to do to let go here? And so many women I talk to hold on because they're afraid. They just don't see the path forward. They don't know what's coming next. I mean, I can tell you in my own story, I had so many friends I would watch them date and I would watch them go out with these guys who were just horrible. And they would say to me, like, where did you find this guy? He's amazing. He's handsome. He's smart. He cares. You know, he's sensitive. You know, I mean, they would say all these. And I would think, well, how could I relieve this guy? What they don't know is that I remember having a friend of mine say, you know, about her husband. Well, whenever I get upset, my husband just, you know, goes and runs out the door and he doesn't, he just goes to work. And I, and I say, I remember saying to her, yes, because that's his way of helping you to go out and to provide and be there for the family. She's like, but your, but your guy is so sensitive and he listens. And I said, yes, but he can't, he's never going to make the same commitment. Mm. He's never going to care as much about whether the garage door works as I do. Mm. Mm. So, you know, it's really figuring out what we need most and pushing through you know, those fears and those limiting beliefs. And that's, that's not easy. That's work. That's mm-hmm. the work that we need to do. Yeah. And you talked about when we, we were having our conversation, just catching up before this, you said, make yourself open for an epiphany. And my favorite thing you've said was you said epiphanies come with consequences. And I thought that was really fucking powerful because they do. Mm-hmm. So what does it look that's- like for somebody who maybe they're feeling the inkling of, I need to let go, whether it's of a job, the city you're living in, the partner you've chosen, friendships like how do they start by making themselves open for an epiphany well i love that question because i don't think we talk about epiphany enough and it is just it's one of my favorite things to talk about because we have epiphanies all the time about these things especially when we're in that space where we're looking at the next transition and we're feeling that urge to kind of let go, but all those fears and things I just talked about are coming up. Mm-hmm. You know, you have these epiphanies all the time. And I say, stop sleep, sleepwalking through your epiphanies, mm. pay attention, pay attention because the epiphany is the truth inside of you desperately trying to get your attention. I had so many epiphanies about my relationship and how I knew that it was never going to get me where I needed to go. I just left my job of 10 years. I had so many epiphanies over the past couple of years that mm, I need to let go. This is not right for me anymore. So you have to start listening to your own instincts in a very different way. And you have to sort of be ready to hear that epiphany. Mm. And so A lot of that begins with really opening yourself up. First, you have to believe that epiphanies actually exist Mm -hmm. and they do. You have to get, get yourself to places where you can be still and quiet and open to hearing kind of your inner voice, your inner voice, not the inner voice of your mother or society or the pressure of your friends or what you think other people think you should be doing, but your true inner voice. So it's really getting some stillness so that you can start listening to yourself and opening yourself up to the possibility that there's something else for you. Mm. And so I think it's really because I mean, I talk about, I talk about in my book, I talk about just one big rocking monster epiphany I had before the even big one that ultimately I listened to that was like a club over my head Mm. and I slept my way through it. 
because I wasn't ready to see it. And, and I wasn't are, ready. And what are some signs that it's time to let go or you're having an epiphany and you're not tuning in? Because I'm thinking a lot about friends that I have, like some that, for example, relationships, some of them are struggling nonstop in their relationship. And the whole thing has become just a challenge. And, and then other ones are thriving and they're really happy. But that doesn't mean that the thriving person's with the right person. Do you know what I mean? So what are some indicators um, that you would say in relationships that it might be time to let go or that you're not listening to yourself? Like anything we could say to somebody who might be kind of sleepwalking through their epiphanies right now? Well, I would say if you're looking at other people's relationships or you're looking at other people's jobs or friendships or whatever area of your life you need to let go in and you're looking at other people's situations with longing, then there's something wrong Mm -hmm. because you shouldn't be looking at other people's situation like, oh, that they probably have it better than I do. Mm. Um, I, I, I think, you know, a lot of people go through that. They think, well, again, you know, they lack that big wild love. So it's like, you know, this is the best I can do. This is what I deserve. This is all that's possible for me, but I sure do wish that looks pretty good. And I'm not saying, and this is different than looking sideways and kind of looking at what everyone has like on social media and all this picture perfect life, but it's really looking at, like, I remember when I was stuck in my relationship, I remember seeing other people kind of moving on in their relationships and going through the, you know, the appropriate rite of passages while I sat by. And I remember thinking, gosh, I really wish that I was doing that. And I would look over at this wonderful man and think he's never going to do it. And I knew it. We know, I really believe Ashley, that we know the truth. Mm-hmm. We know. hundred percent. And so it's really kind of making that peace with ourselves that this is the truth. Mm. It's this is the truth. And and having the conversation with ourselves to say, are you ready? Are you ready to Are you to ever? But is somebody ever like it's, you know, like letting go or so. unwinding your life? What happens and what do you think it takes to be ready for that? I think you have an experience that flashing burst of insight that you just cannot unsee. Mm. And once you get to that place, then you know there has to be change. Now, I'm not saying that change happens the next day, but there's something that happens inside that you begin to prepare yourself Mm -hmm. for making that change. There's the process of acceptance of what that epiphany is, is telling you what, what your body, you know, when we're unhappy in a situation or we're holding on a lot of times, what happens is it manifests in our body. So we start to feel tired or we, or we're, we're coming down with colds a lot, or we're kind of losing our, the pep in our step, or maybe we're feeling a little depressed or, you know, we're just not feeling right. We're out of sorts because we can feel change coming. And so much of this is really about change. Mm. You know, it's opening up to the idea that things will change. If I leave this job, there's also the idea again of risk and uncertainty. Will I find a good job? Will I find the right job? Will it be the right one for me? Will I ever find someone else who will love me, who will accept me? But if you find your way to that big wild love place where you negotiated and navigated all that stuff inside of you and all the limiting beliefs and the fear, 
those questions, they still come, but they're, they, they're not as heavy. They don't carry as much weight because again, you know that no matter what happens, you'll always be okay because you have you. Mm. And so you're more likely to be open to that epiphany and the change and the consequences that come with it. Wow. I love this. And I see why everybody is freaking out of your content because everybody <laughs> has something to let go of. Um, everybody you know, all the time, all the time. It's never over. Well, you know, you talked about having a loss earlier in life and having a death and it's like my sister, she passed away a year ago, a little over a year ago now, my big sister and the process of letting go. One of the most profound awarenesses that I've had about letting go is how much it's a repeated choice and not just this one-off event you know? Yes. And I think a lot of people think about letting go, like they just need to muster it up for that moment of, of blowing everything up with TNT and walking away. But it's like, no, like if you're trying to lose five pounds, you let go of the person who was keeping that five pounds. Every time you say no to that piece of cake you used to have, you know what I mean? Right. And like, so that's like a food version of it with my sister, like letting go meant like throwing away her shampoo bottle that was in my shower when it ran out versus letting the bottle sit there and thinking of her, you know? So it's like, it's such a repeated action. And I guess I'm feeling some compassion now for a few friends that I have where I know that they know they're in the wrong relationship, but they don't want to accept it. So um, do you have like a few indicators that you've just seen time and time again, where you're like, this, this is an indicator that you're just not in a good relationship for you? Yes. So I mean, first of all, I, before I even answer that, I, I, what I love that you said was that you said every single time we let go, it's a choice. Yes. If we're doing life right, we're always going to be presented with opportunities to let go. And it's a choice, mm-hmm. you know, it's, it's always a choice that we have to make, which is, do I want to, you know, it's kind of, it's kind of like I talk about letting go as a binary equation, right? We can either hold on, but understand that if we're holding on, we are making the conscious choice to keep ourselves stuck. Mm versus letting go, which is not about accepting a situation or coping inside of it or normalizing a situation or a bad relationship or giving up and saying, you know, this is the best I'm going to ever do. So I'm just giving up means I'm letting go. No, that's not letting go. Letting go is fully detaching Mm. and it's detaching physically, but it's also detaching from a Um, a true self perspective, being able to say, you know what, this isn't right for me. I, I wish you love, I wish you well, but I'm going to move on. I'm going to do my inner work so that I can get to a big wild love place so that I can go out and make different choices for myself. And the problem is that so many people and so many women, especially who are stuck in these bad relationships, they are so, so afraid. They don't, they have limiting beliefs that are just keeping them firmly planted where they are. Mm -hmm. And you know, maybe they've come to do all the things I'm talking about. So, you know, friends that are just not in a good relationship that we are seeing from the outside objectively for them, it's just normal life. They're used to it. They've normalized it. They're just, they've figured out how to cope inside of it. Mm. And they've figured out how to kind of rationalize it. Like I would have these conversations with myself. I would say, Eh, I don't need to get married. What is marriage? Marriage is just a 
it's a certificate. I have two degrees. I have two certificates. I don't even know where they are. What's the difference? Yeah. Like I have someone, he loves me, blah, blah, blah. So what, he doesn't live here. So what, I have to fix the garbage disposal by myself, or I have to, you know, not tell people, you know, not be married or not have all the things that I want to experience by having that kind of commitment because it is different. And I would try to rationalize and make excuses and convince myself that what I wanted was either not available to me or something I didn't deserve or wasn't worthy of. And I think a lot of this goes on very subconsciously, going back to all of the limiting beliefs that we have running underneath us kind of like a dull hum. Mm. And so people who are stuck in a relationship that's not bad for them, they need to get to that, you know, in, in alcoholics call it rock bottom. Yeah. They need to get to that epiphany because once they have that epiphany, they just cannot unsee. Then they have to begin to reckon with those limiting beliefs. Yes. So powerful. Well, I can't help but ask, you know, it's like a lot of people I think are addicted to hope and that's what keeps them in it. And I was in an abusive relationship like four, three, four years ago and it was really fleeting. It was like seven or eight months with this guy, but it was, that's a long time, you know, still in, yeah. I remember like what kept me in it was I kept thinking it's going to improve. And I think a lot of people get addicted to hope to a point where they no longer, are landing into how, how to make that change. Cause they think, no, like you got to invest in your relationships. We've been together this long. The least I could do is like, believe that he's working on this or she's working on that. So how do you suggest somebody like connects to that epiphany and stops buying into that kind of addiction for hope? Yeah. I mean, that stuff, like what you're talking about, like the whole, you know, oh, I want to go back to the beginning or I'm going to stay because I know it's going to go back to the time when it was really great. And I'm just, I know that's going to come back and this is just a phase. I know we can get back there. That's all the negotiation talk I'm talking about. Mm. It's, it's the negotiation we have with ourselves. Mm -hmm. You know, I know it's going to get better. I know if I just hang in there, I know if I show him that I'm committed or I'm, I'm, you know, I know we had this great thing at one time. I'm sure we'll get back there. This is just, that's all that negotiation talk. Yeah. And I think, you know, there really has to come to that moment, you know, and, you know, listen, Ashley, admittedly, some people never, never find their way to that moment because again, they, that requires you to, to look at yourself. You know, I talk to women all the time and they, they'll say to me, um, they'll say, well, you know, he promised and he said, and he did, and he said, and he wanted, and for the first 10 or 15 minutes of a phone call, a coaching call I have with someone, they'll talk all about that. And these are, you know, I'm talking about smart, successful, aspirational, you know, on the ball, wonderful women. And, and so finally I'll stop them and I'll say, I want you to talk to me for five minutes and I don't want you to use the words he said, he promised. I don't want to hear about him at all. Mm -hmm. I want you to tell me about you. What have you said? What have you done? Why? I want you to get in front of the mirror and start asking yourself the hard questions. Because once you get in front of that mirror and start saying, instead of saying, when will it come back to the beginning? All that negotiation talk, all that armchair diagnosing of the other person, it has to come back to, why am I here? 
Why am I choosing this? Mm -hmm. There's something in it I'm getting. If you're staying in that relationship in the hopes that it's going to improve or go back to the beginning when it was great, it's not about the relationship. It's about you and fear and thinking that maybe I don't deserve better and maybe what I want is impossible. And if it is, I have no idea how to get there. So I'm just going to stay put because I'm not alone. At least I'm not alone. Mm. So powerful. With no judgment at all, because I was that person and it's very normal. You know, we don't want to be alone. Life is wonderful when you're with the right person, but I think it's really about being very clear on who we are and what we want and what the choices that we make. Does that make sense? Yeah. I think a lot about, you know, like the indicator that you shared that I think everybody can take away with them from this episode is just negotiating with yourself is how are you talking about your connection with the person you're with or with your job? Like, are you talking out loud in a way that's negotiating for it or with it? Or are you in the flow with it? I think that's such a powerful indicator that maybe they're, as you would say, sleepwalking through their epiphany, which is so powerful and so common. And um, I don't know. I'm just a big believer that the sooner you face the truth, the sooner your life is going to get back into alignment. And I think a lot of people have an addiction to not listening to the truth. And as a result, they end up with life results that they don't want, you know? And so to me, it's exciting that you're pointing this out and that that's a real verbal indicator. And if somebody can't tell and they're listening right now, I bet you if they ask their friend, Hey, when I talk to you about blah, 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 am I negotiating with myself about it? Like, how do I talk about it? And I bet you your friends would be a good indicator for you on how you're really showing up with these things too, you know? Turners, so sorry for the quick interruption, but I want to make sure you know that this episode has been brought to you by the Job Offer Academy, our e-course to help you land a new job you love. So if you're sick of applying for jobs and never hearing back, and you'd like to try a free version of our job hunting course, just head on over to uturnpodcast.com slash job offer. That's Y-O-U-T-U-R-N podcast.com slash job offer. Now let's get back to this week's episode. You know, it's interesting. I mean, I think, and this is actually the third step in my process, which I know we'll get to, but there's a very powerful, really simple, um, I don't want to say exercise, but question that I, that I will put to people when they're really struggling and they're, you know, they're kind of tossing around their relationship and their, or their job or wherever they are. And they're like, I don't know what to do here. I always try and reground people back in the question of what do you want? And it's not about what do you want inside the confines or the limitations or the parameters of what you've got currently? It's more broadly, if you could have anything, what do you want? Now, I'm not talking about, you know, I want to be married to George Clooney. Like, I'm not talking about that, you know, barring, <laughs> barring you know, what's realistic and the constraints of space time and biology. You know, um, what do you want? Because what people lose sight of when they're in these relationships that are that are really not right is again they're in the day-to-day accepting coping normalizing negotiating letting go they're or or giving up they're not they're not thinking about how do i fully detach because they're just going through the motions of life but if you pull them out and you say look what do you want and then you sit down because 
Most people have no idea what they want. I actually searched high and low for the statistic for my book. One in 100 people has any clue about what they want. Oh, wow. And in general or in love? In general. Wow. Just in general. But I would, I would say based on all the women I've spoken to, when I ask them, what do they want? They have no, well, I want him to be there on Saturday. I'm like, nope. What do you want? What do you want from a relationship? What do you want from a partner? What do you want from life? What want? Because when you figure that out, and I've had people say, I, I've actually had one woman that I coached who had to go into therapy to get help answering this question. Mm-hmm. I believe how, it. How can you be in a relationship if you don't know what you want? It's like leaving the house without a destination. Yeah. So, you, you know, it's like you, you, if you, once you know what you want, you hold it up against what you have. And it becomes very clear whether what you have is what you really want. Yeah. It's, um, I had a mentor once who called that taking a position. She said, you never have to make decisions. You just have to take a position because what happens is instead of like leaving your job and saying, I have to decide to leave my job, you take your position on, this is what I want. And then you can kind of just look at the result and, and, and you can let the job know, like these are the things I would need from this role. And if they can't give it to you, they made the decision. And all you had to do was take your position. And I think that you're kind of reflecting back something quite similar, which is, really just knowing what you want as a way to filter through life and, and kind of spare yourself from the agony of making decisions and put yourself more in the clarity of this is what I want and everything that isn't that say no. So makes sense to me. Um, I know your second point you wrote and we talked about was feeling and dealing. So once you make yourself open for, for the epiphany and you do the work to notice when you're negotiating with yourself or, you know, and you're working with that epiphany, you're noticing it, uh, the next step feeling and dealing has got to be painful for so many people. What does that really look like? Well, for me, it looked like a lot of lifetime television and deep dish pizza. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I started to call the pizza delivery guy by his nickname. Um, yeah, it looks like, you know, it, it, the feeling and dealing part of my process is really important because like we said, epiphanies come with consequences. And even if it's an epiphany and a change that you're making for the better, it still is hard and still can be painful. So you've got to get inside those feelings and just have them. Because if you don't, they will manifest in less than ideal ways. So in this time, it's really about, you know, I joke about it, but it's really about grieving, you know, it's feeling that grief, it's feeling those fear, it's feeling all those things you need to do so that you get them out. You can honestly say, I have processed my feelings, but it's also a time to be very productive. So it's about looking back at the relationship and kind of doing a postmortem, like what happened and not what happened in terms of about the other person, the Mm -hmm. partner. It's really about what was attractive to you about the relationship. Why did you choose it? Why were you there? What did you get from it? What, what about it served you? What didn't serve you? Um, You know, it's really looking at your part and your role in the relationship, in the good times, in the bad times, what didn't you get from it? What did you get from it? It's taking accountability for any mistakes you may have made because nobody is perfect. I say we have a 100% failure rate at that. 
And, you know, we all, you know, and here's the thing I tell people, you know, you don't have to be perfect to be loved. Mm -hmm. You don't have to be perfect to have a wonderful relationship and a successful relationship. So it's really looking at your role and then it's taking your lessons. You must understand what happened from your viewpoint so that you can do better the next time. Mm -hmm. So that, you know, these are my, these are my trouble points. This is what I have to be careful and be, you know, wary of. Like I tell a story in my book about how, when I left and I moved back to New Hope and I started to date again, I met this guy. I really, really, really liked him. Um, his name was, his name was Mac and, you know, we had a couple of great dates, but he would like, after our dates, he would just disappear for weeks at a time. And then he would just kind of breach like a whale up like on a Saturday and call me and be like, can we go out? And of course I was like, yes. And then I realized, what are you doing? Stop it. And I, three times, three dates, and that was it. I just wouldn't do it anymore. I learned to set my boundaries because that's what always got me in trouble even prior to the relationship I had, the long-term relationship before that. So it's understanding you know, it's doing more of that internal work to understand what happened and why you chose what you chose so that you can, you can learn something from it. And every, so that every person you meet thereafter will move you one step closer. Every job you take, every familiar experience or friendship experience or, you know, health experience or weight experience moves you closer to where you want to be. Versus never looking at those feelings, never looking at your role, just, you know, just moving blindly through letting those limiting beliefs continue to drive the bus. Mm, gosh, Jill, you're so comforting because I can tell how much you have been through this yourself. You know, like, oh my God. <laughs> I'm sure that a lot of people are listening and they're like, oh my God, you know, like I've got to let go. And there's so many people who could get on a podcast and be like, here's the four steps. But I could tell that like your heart has been broken for this. Like you have burnt in flames for the sake of letting go, you know? <laughs> So it's a beautiful thing. Totally have. Oh my God. I love that you're saying that. Yes. (laughs) You are it. Like I see you, Jill. (laughs) And when you think about pizza. Well, and I, how, when you're sitting on the couch and you're like eating the pizza and everything feels like a shit storm, like how do you even figure out what you want? Like, how do you take it from there? Can you talk a little bit about that process? Yeah. I, I mean, I think that, um, you, you don't in that moment in the, in the, in the television, I hate everyone. Men suck. I'm going to, you know, golden die alone. When's the pizza guy coming? You know, I'm never wearing lipstick again. I'm not answering the phone. None of that stuff in that mode, in that phase of this period, you just got to be there. You just got to be in that and feel, you know, I used, you know, many years ago, I was a weight loss diarist for Shape Magazine. I wrote a column every month for them. I put my weight in a national magazine 12 times, talk about courage. <laughs> and I worked with this body image psychologist. And she said to me, she was fabulous. They, Shape gave her to me once a month to talk to for an hour. Um, and she said to me, you know, so many times in life, people, when they lose weight, when they lose a partner, when they lose a job, when they lose whatever... They rush to fill the void. They rush to fill that open space. Hmm. And that's terrible because they just keep making the same mistakes over and over and over and over and over. That's the time not to rush to fill that space. You just have to be in it and feel like shit. And, you know, like it's, it always passes, but what do you think it is about people who like, what is it about the resistance of just being in it? Do you think it's that people believe it's never going to go away or there's no point of it? 
Like, what's the limiting belief that is keeping people in that? Well, I mean, that that feeling may trigger something for them that has happened in their childhood or in their past or in a previous dating experience, or it might trigger something somebody of influence once told them about themselves that led them to believe like, oh my God, it's happened again. I'm a loser. This is never going to happen for me. Um, again, it all goes back to those limiting beliefs. And I also think that people just don't want to feel bad. Like I didn't go to the dentist for a couple of years. Cause I mean, honestly, I don't want someone to poke in my mouth with a sharp object. Like <laughs> people just don't want to feel bad. That's so, that's so funny that you're saying that because like with the dentist, it's such a great example because it's so true. Like it's just, right. it's just that simple. And I think on a more extreme note, like the more serious stuff, like whether it's death or a huge breakup, which really does feel like a death sometimes, Absolutely. um, it's like you, maybe you're afraid it's going to totally take you out. Like you're not gonna be able to show up for work and like all of these mechanisms you have in place to help you survive and get by in the world. It's like, if you let yourself feel the gravity of, you know, feeling and dealing and really figuring out what you want. It's like, I think a lot of people are afraid, like, oh shit, like I'm going to mess up my job. If I really let myself cry the way that I have it inside of me, like, how am I going to show up for work? How am I going to show up for my friends? Um, so it makes sense right. to me that people are afraid to feel cause they, I think there's a belief that they have a lot to lose in their day to day life if, from feeling so really powerful. Well, it is. And I mean, I think, you know, I mean, I think people have to understand too, that sometimes we have to go through that feeling and dealing process while life is happening at the same time. So it's, you know, we still have to get up and go to work. We still have to be out in the world, but we shouldn't be filling up every moment of our time so that we don't have to feel the hard stuff. Mm -hmm. We don't have to, you know, it's like, we spend a lot of time t trying to distract ourselves from what's really happening. And, you know, a lot of people do this by, you know, when they, in a breakup, for example, they'll rush to go out and find somebody new. Mm -hmm. um, but what happens is they're still contending with the feelings around what has happened with the old. Mm -hmm. And I do think that the limiting beliefs and being triggered to a limiting belief has a lot to do with it. And what, you know, what people need to understand is, and this is where the work of, and I, and I tell this to people, if working with a, a trained therapist that you trust and that you really like to kind of dig in there and really get your arms, if you're really afraid to go there, because, you know, we, we get these beliefs mostly in childhood and we, we acquire them because they serve us in that moment, in that family dynamic situation. But what a lot of people don't really understand is that once we are out of that situation, those beliefs may not serve us, probably don't, and may be doing harm to us. And the other thing about limiting beliefs that people need to, you know, if they're doing this ex excavation work on themselves during this feeling and dealing is not all limiting beliefs are true. Most of them aren't. Mm -hmm. So it's really getting our arms around, again, why am I so triggered by this? What is here for me? You know, that is so triggering. And I'll, I'll, I'll put it out there very personally for me. You know, I was raised um, by, I had very, very wonderful, loving parents. But, you know, my mother was very critical of my weight and my body. And I learned that to be loved, I needed to be a perfect size six. Oh, painful. 
And I think a lot of a lot of women have these body image sort of issues. So I'm certainly not alone. But I think a lot of that kept me in my relationship for a really long time because I thought, here I have this wonderful man who loves me no matter what size I am. I'm not going to find somebody else like that. Scarcity and like not loving yourself. Yeah, it's so much. And and kind of going right. into like this idea of figuring out what you want. I know that some people right now are probably listening, thinking like, I really don't know what the hell I want. And I don't even know where to begin. Is there so like powerful. one? Yeah, it is powerful. It's like, um, you know, I wrote about in my book how, it, you know, you're saying like AA calls it rock bottom or, um, but like, to me, it's also like the great, emptying, you know, like now it's like you are just sitting in the divine unknown. And for the first time you just get to kind of paint on the palette and make art of your life. And so from my perspective, like what is a good starting question for anybody right now? Or what is an exercise they can do to get connected to what they want? Because I always turn to like close friends. Like if you have really close friends, usually Um, not even just what do you want, but what kind of person do you need? You know what I mean? Like asking my best friend, Hey, what kind of guy do you think I need in my life was so insightful for me. So curious to just hear, like, if you had any exercises or thoughts for people who are completely drawing a blank. Yeah. I mean, well, first of all, I mean, I would, I would say to someone, you know, what, what do you, like, I would, you know, I'm a huge fan of, Julia Cameron. Mm-hmm. Um, are, I don't know if you're familiar with the artist's way. Yes. Okay. She has these things called morning pages and I am a huge, huge, enormous fan of morning pages. And I think that going to bed at night and writing down in an eight and a half by 11 spiral notebook, what do I want? Going to sleep, getting up first thing in the morning, first thing, have your, with your coffee, taking out that notebook. And then just, this is not journaling. This is just dumping it. So it's, you know, what do I want? And then writing front, back, front page, one, two, three pages. That's it. Put your pen down and then do this every day or three or four times a week, as often as you can. What happens eventually is all the stuff, like all the, you know, muck in your brain, the the stuff, the surface stuff, eventually you get on the page. And then it's almost like you're channeling this inner person. Mm-hmm. And what starts coming out of you, like, it's just the pen writing or like, oh my gosh, I can't believe that came out of me. Mm-hmm. Because we hold ourselves back from really saying what we want. And so we need a way to access that very deep down truth of what we want inside. So the first, you know, the first week of writing these daily journal pages could be, you know, fuck you, fuck you, fuck you for three pages. <laughs> totally been there and done that. <laughs> Right, right. So that's not, is very different than journaling, but it's just, what do I want? And then it's like, you know, it's exploring, it's going out in the world and, you know, watching other people. It's, you know, taking your, talking to friends or looking to see what, what kind of things other people have that, that maybe you're drawn to, or it's asking yourself, you know, who are you? What do you like to do? You know, what's that vision of the life that you have? I know people do like these vision board parties. And I think that's great if you want to go have fun. But if you're a person who thinks in images, maybe it's just you all by yourself Mm -hmm. in a room, you know, with music and a glass of wine or a cup of coffee or a milkshake or whatever you drink, just being with yourself and really just cutting out images and things that draw you in. And really thinking about what do you want from your life? And you don't have to, 
know everything. But, you know, for example, I knew that I wanted to find somebody who wanted to make the same kind of commitment that I wanted in life and wanted a partnership. I knew that I wanted to be with someone who would not just accept that I was a smart person who had ambitions and thoughts, but who would champion me and who would challenge me and who would be, you know, my partner in crime. I wanted someone who wouldn't just love me, but would allow me to love them mm-hmm. who, you know, I wouldn't have to hold back because, you know, I'm a whole lot of big, right. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's really, you know, saying not inside the confines, you know, it's, it's not just choosing from what you already have it's knowing from a deep heart space that this is what i'm looking for it's not going into a restaurant and just you know choosing the hamburger because it looks good and impulsively it's what you can choose from because what you really want which is a big steak isn't on the menu Mm, so helpful go to the the restaurant and get a big steak oh that's what you really want Totally. And, and talking about, I love the morning pages and I've also heard it called being called soul writing, like just writing what comes out. It's so powerful. There's so much that comes out and it keeps your brain from being busy. You know, it's like when I was writing my book, I needed to put a notepad next to me because I would have a thought in the middle of my sleep and I would wake up with it and I didn't want to have to keep the burden of keeping it inside of me. And sometimes keeping thoughts in you, it weighs so heavy and you don't even realize they're there until they come out. And I also just remember in my master's in spiritual psychology that after 10 minutes, usually the research indicates that subconscious thoughts that you didn't even know were there will start making their way on the page. So somebody's feeling like doing a little victory lap in their morning writing. It's like, you never know what's going to come out. Um, the fourth step you talked about was knowing your options. So what does that really mean for everybody? Because, or, or exploring your options, because I think a lot of people sometimes feel like I don't have any options. Like this is where I am. And they really are defining their reality based on where they're at, you know? So people who think that they have, there are no options, again, that's a limiting belief at work. Mm-hmm. And so for them to start is, why do I think I don't have options? Mm-hmm. Because there's always options. There's always a way. And, you know, everybody is in a different situation in life. So for example, I knew that I wanted to find this person. I lived in the middle of a big city. I loved it, but I was, you know, moving into a new phase of my life. I wanted to live in a beautiful artist community. I wanted to be closer to my family. I, you know, these were certain things. I was in service to one five-year-old golden retriever at the time. So I was like, I always say I could have moved to the Antarctic and I thought about it, but I, you know, it's what is available to you. So if you have your epiphany and you have felt and dealt and lived in the aftermath and dealt with the consequences and and pulled out some real takeaways, key takeaways about not just what you want in a relationship, but who you are inside of it. And then you figure out what you want, or you get close to knowing what you want, close enough to know that what you want isn't what was in the rear view mirror. Then you can say, okay, this is a very logical process, Ashley. It's a very logical you know, this is what I want. This is my strategy. These are my tactics for getting it Mm -hmm. right. So here's what's available to me. So if I want to live in a certain place, okay. If I want a job in a certain place, if I know that I want to build my life in a certain and Y, but I live in X, then, okay. What my option is moving to Y that's one option. Right. And then when I get there, it's like, what are the different options? I mean, if you have kids, if you have obligations, if you have responsibilities, your options are going to be different for the things that you want. Mm. So you really, it's really the tactical piece of this. 
is how do you get that thing that you want? What are your options for doing that? Mm. And I suspect, you know, like the people that work with you around all the career work, I mean, you are an option to them to help them to get from point A to point B. One of my options is working with Ashley. Mm. Right. But it's, it's laying this out. It's really being thoughtful about it versus saying, well, I'd really like to live in this city, but you know, I'm here now and I might as well, you know, get online and meet guys here and get a job here and, you know, get my dog groomed here. And, but I really want to live here. Yeah. But you know, for now, you know, at some point, well, what do you want? Yeah. Really want to live there. And I'm using that just as an example, but you know, it's really figuring out, you know, what are your options for getting to where you want to go? And a lot of this really is borrowed from business. I mean, when business is, you know, strategic planning, mm-hmm. that's kind of how it works. It's like we set our objective, we figure out what our strategies are, and we figure out our tactics for achieving it. It's really a similar thought process. Mm-hmm. I believe it. And it's also, I think idea generation is so sensitive because I think we're all such creative beings that sometimes we um, block our creative energy by um, delete the delete button or the erasers that are on our pencils. Whereas right. it's like when you're looking at your options, it's like perhaps giving yourself permission to just write down everything that comes to mind. Like one of my favorite things that people can do as it relates to money. A lot of people think like, I don't have any ways of making money. Maybe they're laid off or they're in between jobs, whatever have you. And I've always just said, okay, well, why don't you write down every possible thing that you could possibly do? And, and somebody will write like babysitting, Uber driving, like whatever. And I just think, don't delete it. Just keep going because you're giving your body permission to be in this energy of idea generation, which is so powerful. So beautiful that you're kind of aware that there's so many options, you know, and, and people either live in a mindset that there are, or there typically aren't, you know, and that's just kind of how people operate. And, um, the fifth thing that you talk about, which I'm really excited to ask you about. So, and those of you who are taking notes, I know she talked about first making yourself open for epiphany. Number two is feeling and dealing. Number three, figuring out what you want. And number four, exploring your options. Uh, and then number five, creating a letting go hit list. Let me know what that looks like because I'm in. Oh my gosh, you're so funny. So <laughs> this is this is really about, you know, this is the this is the metaphor I use for letting go. And I actually in my book I call the things that we need to let go of let goables. And I have not shared that with anyone. So you're the first person to hear me use that. Oh, let goables. That's so good. <laughs> let goables. So you know, it's kind of like seeing a deer in the road when you're driving at night and you know when that one comes racing out in front of you you know, there's a bunch more right behind it. Mm -hmm. Like you need to just slow down Mm -hmm. and like get yourself in check because if you don't, you're going to get in trouble because here's the thing. When you let go of something, like when I let go of my relationship and then I let go of my house, my job, my city, you know, that I loved my, my life with my, you know, friends, I didn't get let go of my friends because obviously we can all still be together long distance, but you know, there was a proximity. Um, but I also had to let go of limiting beliefs, new limiting, new limiting beliefs, because as long as we're living and we're in life and things are changing, old beliefs and old wounds are always trying to call us home. They're always trying to creep their way back in. So I had to, the last time I had been on the dating scene, like truly out, I was 28 years old and now I was back in the single world and I was 42 Mm. and I had to reckon with that old limiting belief that I had to be a perfect size six to be loved Mm -hmm. because I wasn't. 
And I had a new belief that was, I'm too old to find love again. Mm. And so it's really, really staying super connected to yourself and to the things that you want so that you don't acquire new things that are blocking you from having what you want. New fears, new ideas, new beliefs based on experiences. Like I could have left that experience and said, I'm 42. Like what gives, you know, everyone else in the free world has managed to find their life partner, even though you and I both know that's not true. Yeah. Um, but that is how a limiting belief works. It's not true, but we take it on. And so it's really sitting down in that moment of letting go and saying, I need to let go of this. I need to let go of my fear about this, you know, leaving this job and what my parents are going to say, or, you know, what, where am I going to get money? Or maybe I'll never find a job as good as this. Or, I mean, you think about all the people that leave, you know, big six figure jobs in corporate America, hello. And you think, okay, I'm leaving. Like, this is the perfect job. It's just not the perfect job for me. Mm-hmm. Love and that. so it's, it's always comes back to, you know, knowing that no matter what happens, that big wild love piece, knowing that no matter what happens in life, you will always be okay because you have you mm-hmm. and you are solid and you are grounded and you know how to let go and you know how to make good choices. And you're not afraid to take calculated risks and you're not afraid to take bold moves in life. And you know that no matter what happens, it's all going to be fine because you have you. Mm-hmm. And that's what gives you the ability and the inspiration to be able to say, you know what? I need to let go of this too. Mm -hmm. I need to let go. I need to let go of this friendship. I love this person, but you know what? This doesn't make me feel good. I don't feel like I matter. I'm tired. This friendship drains me. It exhausts me. I love this person. I wish them so much wellness, Mm. but I need to keep moving. I need to let it go. Mm -hmm. Letting go in that case, for example, can be, I never talk to this person again, or I know where to put this person in my life. I don't rely on this person in the same way. There's some level of detachment that's happening that is that feels good in your body and in your space and in your sense and allows you to keep moving in life to have the things that you want. Mm-hmm. And everybody's different. It's a judgment call. But if you use these steps, I mean, I'm, I'm telling you that I've used them. I, for example, my husband and I, we walk every morning in the park with the dog for about an hour. And I had a friend and she was just making really bad choices. And I was just spinning, 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 spinning every morning. I'm like, I cannot believe she's doing this. What a dumb thing. Blah, 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 blah. And then finally, one day I was like, Jill, what do you want? I, I want to move on. I want to leave my job. I want to do this. I want to write this. I want to speak here. And what I learned about myself, Ashley, was that I was so wrapped up and spinning on someone else's life because I was afraid to look at mine. Mm -hmm. So we can always use that, you know, what do I want? If you don't know what else to let go of, if you're like, "Mm, I'm still not getting there, I'm still not getting the results I want, there's something left on the table. What is it? Yeah, 100%. So interesting. And kind of going into your final step of um, documenting it into an action plan. This is powerful. There's so much self help out there that's like, think about this, but not do something with it. And I love that you complete this with that. So what are some recommendations you have for somebody to kind of move from all of these steps into action? 
Well, first of all, you know, decide what's the best way for you to plan. Like for me, I had a notebook. I loved my notebook. I lived with my notebook. I kept at the top of my notebook. I wrote down my epiphany moment because I never wanted to forget that epiphany moment. Never. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, in one sentence, I wrote down what that epiphany was. And as soon as I read it, I am transported right back to that moment. And I talk about that moment in my, in my TEDx talk. And then I write down the objective. What do I want? What do I want? What's the big thing that I want? Mm. And then I write down, okay, so here's where I want. And all the things that we've talked about now. So here are the things that I want from relationship, from a partner, from life, from myself, mm-hmm. from my, for my very own self. You know, what do I need to let go of? You know, that all goes in, how do I get, and then when I list these things out that I want, how do I get there? What are my tactical options for getting there? And then which ones am I going to pursue? Yeah, that's the big thing, because there's so many ways, and it's all about figuring out which one feels good. Just do one. Just do it. Just do. I say just take action. Start with one. Start with the next one. You know, go step by step. But I can tell you that there's research out there, good research that shows that when you document something, you're more likely to take action on it. Mm -hmm. I also felt like having that plan continuously grounded me. It, It reminded me why I was doing what I was doing. It gave me something really tangible to hold on to when I had big doubts, because that's a normal part of the process. It allowed me to track, track my progress. It kept me accountable. When I would think of things in my mind in the middle of the night, I had some place to go with it, to make sense of it. Mm-hmm. That plan that plan was magic. And people can do it any kind of way. Like, it doesn't have to be a notebook. I mean, I know somebody who has an entire wall that's painted with chalkboard paint. Mm-hmm. Like, you can write it on your chalkboard wall. You can do your vision board. You can keep an Excel spreadsheet. Like, whatever is your way, just get it down. Mm-hmm. What's your epiphany? What's your objective? What's your strategies? What are your tactics? What are you going for? What are the obstacles? What do you need to let go of? Check it off the list when you've got it. What do you need to do moving? What do you need to remind yourself of? Don't what rabbit holes do you remember need to be reminded not to go down? Mm-hmm. It's all about documenting and writing it down so much for your awareness when you do that. So powerful. Like Jill, everybody's going to want to follow you because obviously, and they're going to want to watch your Ted talk. Where can we all find you? And what do you have going on for all of us? Okay. So <laughs> Well, first of all, I love talking to you. You too. This was so much fun. I wish you were close so we can now go out for pizza. Yeah, totally. So you can follow me at my website, which is letgoforit.com. If you go there, you can watch my TED Talk. Please, please, please subscribe because I have so many amazing things coming up. I am working on an online course that lays out all of this, that is designed to give you all the exercises, all the love, all the good stuff ahead of the book coming out, where you can really go through all the steps that I went through that not only allowed me to let go, but move forward towards having the things that I wanted in life. So I have that coming out. Um, You can follow me on social. I'm on at let go for it on Facebook and Instagram and Twitter, but I don't, honestly, I don't really use Twitter that much. I know um, Twitter. I'm like, is Twitter still happening? Like I have yes. an account, but I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I, Jill, you are such a treat. 
<laughs> so, yes, yes. So, you know, reach out, send a player, write to me. I'd love to hear from you. And I, this has been so much fun, Ashley. I love you. I love what you're doing. I love, you I love your Please keep in touch so we can keep chatting. And yes, this has been so fun. So Thank good. You. Thank you. Hey there, it's Ash here, and I really enjoyed the company of Jill. I just, when I met her at this workshop, she just was so lit up, so kind, so generous, and so full of love, for lack of a better term, to just get her message out there. And uh, one of the things that I really felt when I was listening to her was this concept of the truth and how... I know I've talked to you about this before, and I just want to remind you this idea that the truth isn't something that you learn. It's not like somebody tells you what the truth is. Usually it's something that some part of you really knows. And if you're not operating in alignment with the truth, usually it's because you haven't really um, noticed, but there's something that feels off. And often it's the case where somebody offers something new. You're, you'll hear a piece of advice. You'll see somebody out there in the world doing something where suddenly the truth will be Become clear to you. And it's not like in that moment you learned it. It's that you recognized it because it kind of reminds me of when I'm talking to friends and I'm trying to get my feelings out there. And I think that's one of the greatest honors of having a podcast or being a speaker or being an author is that a lot of the times you're using your gift for communication as a tool to help people heal because so often people have so many words jumbled up inside of them unsaid and they have so many feelings and they can't seem to find the words to match it. And there's some sort of healing I think that communicators can provide when they put the words out there and it perfectly describes what other people are trying to share and connect with in the world or put out there or understand uh, for at the very least. And in my case, I think what it is with the truth is that it's something that you recognize. And what that looks like is sometimes people will be talking to you and suddenly you'll feel in your body this visceral agreement, this yes, yes, that's it. That's exactly what I'm trying to say. And in that way, it's like you're recognizing the truth. It's not like they said something and you learned it. You're There's some part of you as a result that already knew it, you know, because you can't recognize something you don't know. Um, and I think a lot of the times we know the truth. And when it comes to letting go of something in our life, sometimes we just feel really off. We don't know why. And what Jill really shares is something I believe in so deeply, which is that we often already know. And sometimes when we're not connected to our bodies, ourselves, something just feels off and we don't want to pay attention to it. So my invitation for you today is to start to notice what relationship or dynamic or situation is feeling off in your life. And if you could just pull out a journal, write down the name of the person or the dynamic or whatever it is, and start to just tune into the truth because often we get really stuck with what we don't know in our lives and we get really stuck with wanting to know what we don't know when the truth of the matter is that when you really list all of the things you know about a situation, usually it will lend itself to the answer. Um, so take a look at different dynamics that are feeling tense for you. Take a look at different situations in your life where something's not feeling right in your body. And 
give it your attention for a moment, write down those things and just start to write down, like, what is it that you know about that? And you don't have to go look for the truth that you're looking for. You can just write down what you know about the situation. So let's say something feels off in your job, write down, you know, your job, that's an area of tension. How do you feel? What is the feeling you're getting upset, hopeless, scared, pain, whatever. And then I would just write down what you know about your job. And it could be as simple if you're really having a hard time finding your words as something doesn't feel right in my job. That could be a statement you could write down. I don't like working on these reports or I don't enjoy filing or I don't like my dynamic with this person. Just start to write down the things that aren't working for you so you can start to connect with areas of your life that you might need be called forward to do some more letting go or that you might be called forward to you know, renegotiate some sort of terms or just start to draw your attention onto something. It's really powerful when we start to notice things that don't feel right because again, the truth is already inside of you. And when you put your attention on the situations that are feeling sticky for you, you allow it to kind of come up and bubble up to the surface so that you can actually recognize what that thing is that isn't working for you, that you need to let go of, that you need to shift. So really grateful you're listening to this. Love hearing from you on Instagram. Thank you so much for tuning in and I can't wait to catch you next week. Thanks again for tuning into this week's episode of the U-Turn Podcast. We keep really detailed show notes at U-TurnPodcast.com. So if our guest mentioned a book or a resource that you're interested in, you'll be able to find that there. In the meantime, if you were inspired by this episode, if it made an impact in your life, we would be so grateful if you subscribed and posted a review for us on iTunes. Rumor has it on the street, the more reviews we get, the more subscribes we get, the more we can grow and get our impact out there in the world. In the meantime, I'd love to hear from you at Ashley Stahl on Instagram. I'm so grateful for connecting and I look forward to next week's episode.